Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel and to Nazareth, a village of Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive to, and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his incender, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will be never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was conceived a son and is now in his six months. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The word of law. sure have made a grand entrance into this world now, haven't you? Not an entrance a king would make, a manger of all places. No palace, no guards, just a barn and a lot of hay, if you ask me. <laughs> what am I to make of all of these guests? That silent night sure got loud fast. I suppose you'd like to know how all this came to be, wouldn't you? Well, on an ordinary day, more ordinary than you can imagine, an angel came to me. I know. I had trouble believing it myself. He spoke of things I couldn't really comprehend. He spoke of you, the Son of the Most High. He looked straight at me, as if to ask, will you say yes? It was the scariest yes I'd ever uttered the truth. This was an impossible yes that only God could make possible. Never in my wildest dreams 
Speaking of dreams, is it okay that I have dreams for you too? All mamas have dreams for their babies, you know. Even babies announced by heavenly hosts. Might matter what? strange feeling this will not be the only yes required of me. I cannot begin to imagine the yeses that will be required of you. God help me. One faithful day at a time to keep saying yes. I'll uh, tell you what I was feeling as I came to Advent and Christmas this year. Uh, first to say that uh, Christmas preaching can be hard for a pastor because we feel like we know it all. Like you've heard this a uh, thousand million times. You know the story. What is there left to say? I'm just repeating. And of course, that, that's always true. The gospel is the same gospel for the last 2,000 years, no new material. The old is more than sufficient. And uh, so we keep rehearsing the word to one another constantly. But this year, I, I didn't want anything complicated. I just felt like I, I needed to hear the basic scripture and feel it in my heart and experience it and just let it fill me. So this morning, that's it. Uh, I, I have fond memories of preaching this text over the years. But that was then and today is here. What is the word you have for us today, Lord Jesus? So would you listen with me as we look at a beautiful old text... And just get reminded all over of the amazing love of God for us all. And ask the Lord, if you would, in just a quiet whisper of his heart to yours, that he would bring some clarity, perhaps, to what you are facing. And it's interesting how God can do that. Whatever context of the scripture, he can take that word and, and he has a way of zeroing it in on your context. And, and maybe just a, this morning a deeper sense of knowing who God is in your own life. And our star pupil today is, of course, none other than a gritty teenage girl, and you can just call her Mary. Mary. What is it about this teenager that God saw that was so beautiful and so honorable to host the very Son of God? I mean, was she the best teenager in the whole wide world? And God just zeroed in on her? We don't know. What did God like about this teenager? I think we can work with that. And of course, 
You can supply the bridge in your own story uh, of your own life. What is God like about me? What did God like about this teenager? Uh, number one, I think God just loved her openness and her receptivity. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now both Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are on Gabriel's pastoral care list. And Gabriel has them both on his database, and they're both in line for not just a text, but for a personal visit. Zechariah has more of a traumatic experience when the angel Gabriel stops him in the temple area. He's described as being shaken and overwhelmed. And Zechariah, when presented with the information that he was to receive, hesitated and didn't believe. Therefore, he wasn't able to talk for nine months. He could tweet when they gave him something to write on, but he couldn't talk. Mary, on the other hand, Mary the teenager, had to struggle with what the angel said, but she seemed to be more open and receptive to the actual appearance of an angel. Isn't that amazing? Zachariah has more experience and he's petrified. Mary is younger and handles the pastoral call from heaven with less trepidation. Mary is a young teenager from a podunk town called Nazareth in the region of North Galilee. And Mary had a fiancé named Joseph. Now to be promised uh, to one another to be a fiancé uh, back in those days meant that more than engagement does today. It was a binding contract and only would a divorce unhook that legality. Now, I guess I see Mary struggle with the message. How do you understand all of this? But I don't see her struggling as much with the actual appearance of a heavenly stranger. Relatively calm, <laughs> given the nature of the meeting. Not that she was used to meeting angels every other day, but she seemed to react in a kind of cool way. She didn't run. She didn't hide. She was receptive. She was open. It was like, who are you and what is your message? Uh, sometimes we are not receptive primarily because we are occupied. We're busy. We weren't aware that God was close and he wanted to talk but we just didn't know he was there. We just didn't know he was there and he wanted to talk. There's a painting of a door in Hol by Holman Hunt. It hangs in the British Museum uh, in London. And Jesus is standing there, gently rapping at a door, the door unopened. And a little boy one day was standing in front of the painting with his father. And Daddy, he said, why don't they answer the door? The father said, I don't know why. There was a moment's pause, and then the youngster said, maybe they're making too much noise to hear him knocking. And that might be the case. 
I read between the lines here that Mary was not totally overwhelmed that God was speaking to her or an angel was in touching distance. She seemed quite receptive to that. I, I know her struggle was with the words of the angel. I have to tell you that I have uh, never thought about being receptive to God's word and to God's voice as much as I have been in the last two years. We've been teaching the Hearing God class, and this has been such a powerful reminder to me that God wants to speak to us, that he is a speaking God. He is not a silent God. And I began to see in my own life that the problem for me was not in God speaking, but more in my listening. That I needed to be a better listener. And Mary is a good reminder for me that when God shows up in my life, I want to be receptive and I want to be open and listening. For all of us who would hear and receive the word of God, it must be something that happens to us and all we do is keep quiet and passively receive it. Now that is so contrary to me. That is so contrary to my nature. When we want to get something done, it's my habit to say, don't just stand there, do something. In fact, uh, we had a moderator of a church on one occasion who used to say to our, our team, do something. Even if you don't do it quite right, do something. I'm, I'm not quite so sure of that advice anymore. But when God wants to get something done in us, he says, don't just do something, stand there. Or, or sit there. Because we cannot make God happen in our lives. We cannot bring new life. We can only receive it. Therefore, we need to listen. Remember what Jesus said in John 3 when he was talking to Nicodemus? He said, don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How does the Spirit work in your life? You, you can't force that. But you can put yourself in a position where the wind of the Spirit will blow. What is our role? Well, metaphorically, to be in a position to catch the wind. To keep our sails spread out to catch broadside the wind of the Spirit wherever it blows. Now, some of us have more difficulty doing that than others, especially us guys. Uh, opening ourselves to passively receiving something runs counter to the male psyche in our culture. We're used to say, go out there and get them. Lead the way. Take one for the team. Leave it all out there. Make it happen. I mean, that's just ingrained in us. That was my background on the farm. Those are the words that I hear my dad saying in my mind, that strong work ethic, go! Oh, and when it comes to hearing God, it's just different. It's just different. We have to take a back step. We have to open our hearts. We have to be receptive and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. I'm listening. I'm not charging ahead. Slow me down, Lord, and help me to hear, to, to open the sails. And, and help me to hear you. 
I've uh, been trying to get inside the heart of Joseph this Christmas season. And my journal is filled with, with a lot of stuff about Joseph. I have more respect for him than ever before. He was amazing. And he too was receptive. His heart was so right. And he listened. And often he got direction through a dream or through an angel. But never is there this sense of, Lord, it isn't fair. It's not fair. Why are you putting us through this? It's embarrassing. And listen, he's young too. He's a teenager. Maybe he's 20, 21. We don't know. He didn't have the big picture yet. But in the place where he was, he was so receptive to God. How do we become open and receptive, especially if that's not our inclination? Well, perhaps it's just being honest with God to say, this is not my inclination. This does not seem to be how I am wired. But I do want to hear you. And I, I do want to re be receptive. So, Father, would you give me a receptive heart? Would you give me a receptive heart? And if you're not willing, then ask God to make you willing. Father, I want a willing heart to be open and receptive so that I don't miss the very best that you have for me. So to have a receptive, open heart, start with a prayer. Oh, make me willing. Lord, give me a heart that, that is willing to be open to you. And then you might put a footnote under the declaration by adding, and, and help me to be willing to be interrupted. Because God wants to be the scheduler in your life. Uh, God may want to interrupt your busy schedule to say some important words to, to you. When I look at my schedule, sometimes I say, where is God ever going to find a way in that schedule to talk to me? I have him scheduled out. Wouldn't it be cool if we could take our monthly calendar and put God in every day Every day, schedule him right in. Every Monday, I've got him scheduled in. Every Tuesday, he's scheduled in. Every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, and every Sunday, he's scheduled into my calendar. And out of that scheduling, that special time with him, I find I'm talking to him all day long. A time for God every day of the week. If you don't find a place and a time to be with God, you may find yourself waiting a very long time before you hear him speak. And the more you put him into your calendar, the more you will hear from him all day long. Oh, and here's a second footnote. You are receptive to God when you are receptive to your neighbor's needs. You pay attention to hearing God when you pay attention to the plight of the world around you. Uh, Matthew's gospel says, Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God may try to adjust our schedules uh, so that he has an opportunity uh, to give to us to be his hands and feet. So take note of what he's showing you. Oh, and maybe take note of who he's showing you. Feeding the hungry and the clothing and clothing the naked 
is the same as receiving God. Maybe that's easier for us to receive God because it's more hands-on. I can help that person at work. I can listen. I can give something that's tangible. I can be there. I can be generous. I can bless. And it's all a beautiful aroma to God. And God can use that kindness to bring your own heart closer to himself. Oh, and one more footnote in our desire to be open. Live with a sense of expectancy. God wants to do great things in our midst. I mean, you can take one of two roads. You can, you can take the road that travels in the direction of ho-hum. Life is so predictable. Uh, it's just the same day in and day out. Or, wow, look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing. I mean, I say it again. Uh, I stand gratified and blessed to see our financial uh, 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 situation make a sharp turn. When we began to pray... And I think we all just say, only God. That's only God. God put it upon our people's hearts to pray and, uh, and, and to, to be a blessing. And we, to the glory of God, just have seen him do a miracle in our midst. When you're receptive, you carry in your heart an attitude of expectancy. What's God going to do? What will he do in my family? What will he do in our community? What will he do in the lives of people that we're praying for? And as we move forward in our mission to our community, what expectancy can we have of God that he's going before us and he's going to open up more ways in which we're going to be able to be a, a real and valuable part of the lives of people in, who live in this neighborhood? This morning, as you worship, keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Uh, for, for something that God might want to say, a personalized word for you in your context, because you're expecting. Because you have a, a, an expectant heart, God speaks right into that need. Wow, as we sing the carols, God can take a word or two from a carol and he'll remind us of some great truth or he'll, he'll give us a personal whisper that is so timely from his word. Just expect it. Just expect it. So what did God like about Mary? I think he loved her receptivity and her openness. Secondly, I think he loved Mary's humility. Humility is a beautiful characteristic that resembles so much of what God himself is like. He is a humble God. I mean, he could blow all of us out of the water in a second. But look who he is. Read Philippians chapter 2, the story of the incarnation, and you get a sense of what God is really like, what Jesus is really like. Now, look at Mary. Uh, see what she has to process uh, ever so uh, quickly. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel uh, told her, for you have found favor with God... You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Oh, what a mouthful. Can, can you just see Mary? Just overwhelmed in her, in her heart 
perhaps her hand to her mouth saying, oh, this is going to be my experience? How can this happen? Then she gets a little logical. I'm a virgin? What is this? What is this? And Gabriel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It will be the work of the Holy Spirit. We call it, looking back, the virgin birth, sure. We call it the incarnation, sure. The Holy Spirit working in the womb of Mary to produce a child, the Son of God, who will be totally God and totally human, like none other. Heaven meets earth. God becomes man, Emmanuel. God is with us in Jesus. How can you ever fathom all of this? This gritty teenage girl has so much to process. What do you do with it? And Here's what she does. Did you hear the deep breath? Oh. I, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. Wow, what a beautiful statement. She believed. You know what I, I love about this passage? The fact that Gabriel informed her about her relative Elizabeth. Wasn't that kind? Wasn't that encouraging? Look at this. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I mean, that's Gabriel loosening up a little bit, telling her a story. Great story. Thanks, Gabe. We needed that little story. And God, it, it, it seemed like it just was so comforting to Mary. And, and it, was, it seemed like God was giving her a little clue. You should check in with Elizabeth because she has some pretty exciting things happening in her heart and in her womb. And it will be good for you to get some perspective from your cousin. And I'm so blessed with verse 39. You can read it with a smile. It's like, I heard that. I heard that, Gabriel. And verse 39 says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Of course. Of course. And what a blessing for these two ladies to share, an older woman and a teenage gal. And they compared notes, and they gained courage for their journeys. This is one of the journaling verses for me this past week. It's Elizabeth's word to Mary. Verse 45. And it says, Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary, you're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And she was blessed. And she was given courage. And she was given a, a humble boldness. And we're blessed in the same way. When we believe and we trust God, it's so honoring to God that, I, that you, you took what he said at face value and you took it and you ran with it and you trusted God and it's such a blessing. You are blessed. 
John Ortberg tells the story. He said, many years ago, I was uh, walking uh, down in uh, Newport Beach in Southern California uh, with two friends. He said, uh, two of us were on staff at the church, and there was another elder of the church. And we were just walking along, having a, having a good, good time. And uh, we walked past a bar where a fight was going on inside. And the fight had spilled out into the street just like an old western. And several guys were beating up on, a, on another guy, and he was bleeding pretty badly. And we knew we had to do something, so we went over to break up the fight. And I don't think we were very intimidating, but uh, all we did was say, uh, hey, you guys, you should cut that out. Didn't do much good. Then all of a sudden, they looked at us with fear in their eyes, and the guys who had been beating up on the one guy stopped and just started to slink away. And I didn't know what was going on, he said, until we turned and looked behind us. And out of the bar had come the biggest man I think I've ever seen. He's about six foot seven, maybe 300 pounds, 2% body fat, just huge. And we called him Bubba, not to his face, but afterwards when we, when we talked about him. And Bubba didn't say a word. He just stood there and he flexed. And you could tell he was hoping they'd try and have a go at him. And all of a sudden, uh, my attitude was transformed. And I said to them, you better get out of here right away. I was a different person. I was ready to confront them with resolve and firmness. I was, I was released from anxiety. I was filled with, with just boldness and confidence. And I said, you guys get on your way. And they did. Why? I said, because I had a great big bubba. I was convinced that I was not alone that I was safe. We have one who is with us who is just like that. He's not Baba. He's Papa. He's our Father. He's our Father. And Mary was overwhelmed, but she sensed God in all of this. She sensed the warmth of Gabriel. Don't be afraid, Mary. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a beautiful prelude to what God wanted to say to her. But first, Mary, know that I'm with you. You are blessed. You are highly favored. Years ago, uh, Frederick uh, Buchner wrote a little book of character sketches of people from the Bible. And he did one on Gabriel and Mary. <coughs> and and it, the description goes this way. She struck him as hardly old enough to have a child at all. This is to the, uh, the angel Gabriel. But he had been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it to her. He told her what the child was to be named, who he was to be, and something about the mystery that was to come upon him, her. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, he said. And as he said it, he only hoped that she wouldn't notice that beneath the great gold wings he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung on the answer of this girl. Then Buchner shows a, a sketch of, of uh, Gabriel above the description <clears throat> and there he is he's got his fingers crossed behind his back isn't that good oh Gabriel well of course that's just Buchner showing us the magnitude of this huge decision but what a gritty teenager and how humble
pickles in my throat and can't get it out. <coughs> uh, we learn from a teenager something about humble obedience. She had been given a great honor if you receive it that way. The honor of bearing in her body the Son of God. And she would do it humbly, obediently, graciously, and thankfully. That's our cue. Uh, if we are to receive the life of the Word of God into our hearts, we must be open and receptive and obedient like a servant, and then we will see the great things that God wants to do for us. Mary and Joseph. What a grand young couple. Oh, my. Such a weighty responsibility for a couple of kids, teenagers. <laughs> let's hear it for teenagers. Let, let's hear it for uh, openness and receptivity. Let's hear it for hearts that are humble and to see the blessing of God upon hearts that are humble. God loved them and chose them, and what a fine, young, gritty teenager was Mary. She was there for God when he needed her. Listen, uh, where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart? Did you know that our heart can be uh, multi-divided? And it's like, you know, we have a boardroom in every heart. Just imagine your heart, a big table, leather chairs, coffee, bottled water, whiteboard, that, that's all part of the boardroom of your heart. And there's a committee that sits around the table in your heart. And they're all trying to make decisions for your life. I mean, you've got the social self and the private self and the work self and the sexual self and the recreational self and the religious self and others. And the committee is arguing and debating all the time as to what your life will look like. No, we should do this. No, we should go, go this. And we, tell, we, we tell ourselves the, we're this way because we're so busy with so many responsibilities. But the truth is, we're just divided. We're just unfocused. We're just hesitant. We're just unfree. And that kind of person can accept Jesus in two ways. One, you can invite Jesus onto the committee of your life. Just give him a vote too. Just add him to the table and give him a vote. And then he becomes just one more complication for you. He wants this, but this self wants this and this wants this. The other way to accept Jesus is to just say to him, my life isn't working the way it is. Please come in and fire my committee. Every last one of them. I hand myself over to you. I'm your responsibility now. Please, Lord, run my whole life for me. Forgive me for just giving you a little part and letting everybody else run my life. Can you say today, that's really what I'm trying to do. My intent, my heart, is to just hand myself over to the Lord. I keep trying to say in my heart, God is number one, God is number one. And when he moves to number two spot, then I, I, I know it's time to shove the other thing back and say, God, 
number one, you're number one. So I, I find that I've always got a lot of shoving to do in my life, and maybe you do too. Just say, Lord, uh, you're welcome. You're just welcome. I just want to be like Mary, open and receptive and humble. And I want you to be the number one in my life. I give you that place. So I, w- I want to invite you to stand with me and pray a prayer. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like this many, many times in your life, but I, I think it's good for us to all to pray it again. And the prayer is going to come up on the screen if you would. Uh, let's read it together. Lord, I invite you to really be at home in my life. Take leadership of my whole life. Forgive my sins. I acknowledge my sin and ask you to forgive me and help me to begin a new journey with you as the manager and the leader of my life. Now, Father, we just, we just pray that prayer in the name of Jesus. We pray that, Lord, if there's... Uh, there are those this morning that are here and have never really prayed a prayer like that before, that you would just give them courage to say that's the prayer I want to pray today because I want you to be first in my life. And Lord, for for all of us, it's always a challenge to keep moving things out of first spot and moving you back in. So we humbly acknowledge you again today as the leader, manager of our lives, be number one, Lord, even at Christmas time today, in these days, we just pray that you'll come in and uh, bring us focus, uh, give us a sense of being really open and receptive and humble before you as your children in Jesus' name.